Today I want to I want to share a word with you and in, in, in it really starts and maybe ends uh, in Hebrews chapter eleven and you can turn there because we're going to read a, a lot of this. Hey, the McKinneys are here. It's good to see you guys. Give them a hand. Is the baby here? Baby here? Oh, can you hold him? Can you hold him up? He's a good guy. Can you just like? Oh, is he asleep? All right, that's a oh, first time this little guy's been here. I don't want to freak him out. How you doing, pal? Good to see you. He's not sure about me yet, but he'll like me. So there we go. It's good stuff. What are you leaving in this earth as a legacy? And you know, it's not just because uh, Gil Levy passed away this week, but, but God has been putting on my heart some things about this. And not just a legacy, but, but what is your legacy of faith? What, what would be said about you or what would be written about you if after you passed away, people took the things that, that everybody shared and put them down in a, in a passage or put them down in a book? And what would that say about, about you? And what would that say about your faith? Would it be something like it is here in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith? Or would it be a little bit more along the lines of what Brad said, that when somebody's, you know, what's wrong with you? Well, he always had a bad report, was always, always in trouble, never knew what to do, never knew where to go. You know, when you're in that moment and you're in that place, I would want, and hopefully you would want people to come by and say, you know what, I'm different today because of their faith. I saw my dad stand in faith. I saw my mom stand in faith. That's my friend there. And I'm telling you what, they prayed with me and they stood with me that by faith, I would see this happen in my life. And it happened. You know, the Bible is full of stories of people who walk by faith and not by sight. And there's a heritage and there's a legacy that we leave in this earth. And many times we use our faith for the things in our life that we're going through and that we need. But I want to encourage you to understand that that that, that is part of it. But what you do in those moments of need and what you do in those moments where it seems impossible, that faith that you extend in that moment isn't just for you to make it through that situation, but it's for those who come after you to gain that wisdom and that foundation to stand on in faith for themselves. I know this and I can preach this because I'm a kid of faith. Uh, you know, Mom wasn't a Sarah. I mean, she didn't, but she, she went through things and did things. And as a young person, I saw those things and I saw what God did. And I'm ringing through the monitors, Timmy, can you drop me out? And all these things were going on around me. And there came a point and there came a day in my life where my mom had to say, listen, you were there. You were a part of it. You saw what God did. You saw that. We didn't have enough to make. I mean, you, were, you saw groceries on the porch. You, you took the, out of those groceries, you took to the neighbor and gave to them. I mean, you saw it happen. You saw God be God. Now you got to believe God for you. And there was a foundation that was built there for me and my brother and my sister. And so it was easier for us to step out into faith. I'm not saying if your world wasn't like that, you can't be in faith. I'm not saying if you didn't raise your children like that, they can't walk by faith. I'm not saying that at all, because they can and you can. But I want to encourage you today to continue to stand, continue to toe the line, continue to walk by faith, because that makes it easier for your young people who come after you to walk by faith. That shows them that God is good. 
that God is faithful. That's why we have this particular passage in Hebrews chapter 12 to show us and to remind us about these great witnesses. Many times we read chapter 12, verse 1, and it says that you're surrounded, therefore, by a great cloud of witnesses. Well, who are those people? It's these people here in chapter 11 who lived by faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. Everything that you have, everything you receive from God comes by faith. That is something that we have to understand and you have to realize that as those things happen in our life, we pass that faith on to our kids. Not just your children today, maybe it's your grandchildren. Not just your children and grandchildren, maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a person down the street. Maybe it's a person at work. When people think about you, do they think of faith? When people talk about you, do they talk about your faith? Your faith in God, not your faith in yourself. Your faith in God, not faith in your church. Your faith in God, not your faith in your pastor, but your faith in God. Because as you go back and begin to read these stories, and we're going to read some of these, they had faith, these people who we talk about here, the Abrahams and the Isaacs and the Jacobs and all these people, they had faith, but their faith was in God. And it says in verse 1 of chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then verse 2 says, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. And I'll stop right there because it says the elders obtained a good testimony and we quote and we stand on and we trust the word in Revelations that it says we will overcome in this earth by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Where does that testimony come from? Faith. Faith. You have a testimony about salvation in your life. And when you're saved, you are saved by grace through what? Faith. Faith isn't wishy-washy. Faith isn't talking about things that don't exist just because. Faith's not, you know, it's not this hocus-pocus stuff. Faith is based on the fact that God has promised us and God has shown us and God has told us that I believe what God said more than I believe what I see. If I see it, fantastic. If I don't, I'm still going to go down seeing it. Have you been to one of those funerals or been to one of those places where somebody passed away and they said, you know what? They believed until the very last moment. God bless them. Let that, be, let that be me, that I believe God to the very last instant. What's the, other, what's the alternative? It's to give in and say, I don't believe it. Not to pass away, not to say my time would be better spent in heaven at this moment in time in my life, not to let go of this life and the ones I love to go and be with him, but this thing that says I don't believe it anymore. These folks all believed. And it goes on after that, and it talks about in verse 4, Abel offering a sacrifice that was greater than his brother Cain's by faith. In verse 5, it says, By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And it says at the end of this scripture, the reason is that he pleased God. Well, how do you please God? By faith. Because the next verse, verse 6, says, Without faith, it is impossible to please him. In your life, when you think about situations and things that have happened, things that you're going through today, do you extend your faith? Do you speak the word of God by faith? 
And you may be here and you may not have been saved very long. And maybe it's your first time in church. Maybe it's the first time in this church. I, I, I don't know. How many first time folks do we have? Anybody here for the first time? When I met you right there, I know anybody else. And the rest of them won't raise their hand because they're not nearly as courage, courageous as you. But that's good stuff. And you may not understand much of what I say, but realize and understand this, that there is faith available to you that you can believe that your world is better than what it is today. And part of the reason is because we have this group of people in chapter 11 of Hebrews who by faith, by faith, by faith, they paved the way, not just for the ones who came after them in the Bible, but for us who come after Jesus Christ dying on the cross, that we might be able to have faith. And we live by faith, not just so that we can see God's goodness in our lives, but so that those who come after us can walk by faith in seeing our example, just as we see their example in chapter 11 of Hebrews. When you're finished, when you're done, are they going to sit down and write a book about you, about your faith and about how you trusted God and how you followed God and how you stood on his word? Whether you've seen it all happen or whether you haven't seen it all happen, were your kids really, will they listen to you or not listen to you? They, regardless of that point, Like my mother, and when she took us, and she was alone, and she, I, was, I was young, and our, my brother and sister were young, and you know the story. She went out to Tulsa, and she lived out there as a single mom, took a job that didn't have enough money to pay the bills. By faith, she moved us from Lafayette, Indiana, to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we didn't know anybody. We had to, it says that Abraham moved out. In verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out of the place which he would receive his inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, she moved us into a place not knowing what, the, what was going to happen, not knowing what was going to go down with all the stuff that was happening. How were we going to make it financially? Who was going to come alongside us and help? God was. She did it by faith. And then it says, by faith, her book, she put us up and she brought us back to Tulsa or to Indiana and she planted us back here in Lafayette by faith because God said, not because she wanted to, not because she had to, not because she missed her family, not because there was more here than what was there, because God said, so she did it by faith. And then she hooked up with this dude, Pastor Bill, you all know him, he was here a couple weeks ago, shared on joy, and she hooked up with him because God said and did it by faith. One date. I'm telling you, when God does something and you know it in your heart, you extend your faith for it, and God will do some things that nobody thinks is possible. I'm telling you, God knows stuff. Grab hold by faith. And we thought, there is a God. He sent this guy who drives a nice car. We got to go to the movies and eat our own popcorn. Didn't have to share. We didn't have to go at 2 o'clock in the afternoon because it was cheaper. We didn't have somebody else had to bring it. This guy took us in his Ford LTD. Hallelujah, we've been set free. Marry that guy. Or I will. Huh? I mean, bought me a baseball glove, didn't hardly even know me, but he loved me enough and cared about me, not just because I was her kid, but because I was somebody that God loved and cared about. He took me to the store and knew I needed a glove and bought me a new baseball glove. Freaked me right out. Baseball glove and popcorn. I'm telling you, this guy's Jesus in the flesh. 
I mean, this is good news. And then by faith, it says, they picked us up and they moved us back to Tulsa because God gave him a word that said, you need to move there. You need to go to Bible school. And when you're there, not to go to Bible school, but to, to, to work. And when you're there, God will show you. I will show you and reveal to you the meaning of your life. And so by faith, they picked us up and they moved us back to Tulsa. Same situation. We lived in a palace. It was a nice. I had my own room and my own living room. Matt and Lori had their own rooms, had a living room downstairs. No, we didn't have any cable. We had a TV this big, and they weren't paying the rent. Didn't know that. But it was a nice place. He thought it was gonna, I mean, this was going to be it, man. His business was going to flourish. He went by faith, and God changed what he thought into a new thought. And by faith, then, he had to release what he thought and grab hold of what God said. Thank God that he did, that he got rid of the job that he had that he was going for and grabbed hold of what God wanted him to do to go to Bible school. He planted us in a place where she had a job, we went to school, and he went to Bible school all in the same building. Why? So that we could all grow by faith. Then God speaks to him and tells him, now go back and start a church in Lafayette, Indiana. They picked up their stuff. I am not lying. They left me on the curb. It's true. I, Elizabeth was with me. We've been married two weeks. And they like, see you guys, and drove away. <laughs> regardless of your situation, regardless of your circumstance, what did God say? By faith, move. By faith, plant. It goes on after it talks about Abraham here and said, he went to that place and he dwelt in that land of promise, dwelling in tents with Isaac, verse nine, and Jacob and heirs with him for the same, the heirs with him for the same promise. See, it was these ones who came after him that were also heirs of what? The same promise. What if Abraham said, you know what? Forget this, guys. This is stupid. Go make your own way. I'll sit here for a while, and if something happens, I'll give you a call. Nope. He had everybody come out with him, and he had his kids there. He had his family there, and he poured out faith into them till the last day, till his bones dried up, and they put him away. So that today, we can read back in his story and in his life the fact that he followed God, he trusted God, and he was the father of faith in this earth for us who live through Jesus Christ. Thank God. It wasn't just for Isaac. It wasn't just for Jacob. It was for all of us who are now heirs in the kingdom of God. I got to move fast. Verse 10 says, for he waited. He waited for the city which has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Do your kids know? Do your kids understand? Do your kids trust God? Do the young people who are entrusted to you, whether it's your nephew or your niece or your grand, grandkids, whether it's the people in your neighborhood, whether they're old or young, do they realize and understand that there is a life that's going to be lived by faith and they must get hold and grab hold of what you have grabbed hold of? By faith. It says, by, by faith, Sarah herself also received strength to sow seed. In verse 17, it says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac. He said, I know, son, that God is going to provide. Have you taught your children that he is the provider? How? By faith. By faith, we lived in Oklahoma. Didn't have enough money, but by faith, God was, she spread out her faith. God brought food to our house. I mean, walk home and groceries on the porch. 
Praise God, let's get the good stuff. Any Twinkies? And the first thing she does is teach us about faith. She says, take that and take some of it to the neighbors. Them's my Twinkies. (laughs) By faith, plant seed out of what you get by faith. See, there's a story, there's a book that's that's written, that's kept in 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 heavens about you and your life. And your family will begin to live that out on this earth as you live it out. See, I didn't always do what I was supposed to do, but God's word won't return void. And I'm telling you, there was a firm foundation of faith that was built in my life because of them. Are you building a firm foundation of faith for yours? Teaching them the word. Telling them how good God is, what God has done. Have you taught them and trained them and shared your story? Your story of faith. What God has done. He hasn't done much in my life. Are you saved? Yes. Share that story with them. Then you begin to stretch out your faith. It wasn't just Abraham. It wasn't just Isaac. It wasn't just Jacob. It says, by faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel. And he gave instructions concerning his bones. All the way to the end day, they were living by faith. It goes in the next one and it says, Rahab, oh sorry, by Moses as he was born in verse 23. He was hidden three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Don't you be afraid of what people might think because you're preaching and teaching faith to your kids. They didn't care what the decree was. They loved this boy. They cared about him. And so they did what they had to do by faith so that he could live and become all that God created him to be. Now, don't take your kids and put them in the river. That's what they did with Moses. If you read the story, they took him when he was a baby and put him in the river. And he went down to Pharaoh's house and they got him. Don't do that. But do whatever God tells you to do by faith. Well, they might not like church. Who cares? They're young, and they don't get a choice. Well, they're going to act up. I taught school for 13 years. I can handle it. Well, you know, they get a little bored. They're tired. They don't want to come to church. Let them sleep. Bring those teenagers in here. Bring those ones who are young in here. They go to they go to life. They go to city park. Bring the ones into the clubhouse. Bring the ones into the, bring them into the house of God. Why? Because the house of God is where the word is preached, and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word. It goes on though after it starts talking here about Moses, and when you get to verse twenty-seven, it says that, that Abraham forsook Egypt. Now, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. God was real. Jesus was real to us. I mean, he didn't need anyone in living there. We didn't see him, but he was, he was real. He was almost tangible to us. Why? Because he was almost tangible. He was making himself almost tangible to her. And through her faith, it bled into us. But it says Moses, man, he moved out as if seeing him. Your foundation is what God said. And it goes on in verse 30 and says, By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And what more should I say? 
For the time would fail me to tell about Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the voices for the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of the weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, and turned to fight the enemies of the aliens. And turned to flight, sorry, the, the armies of the aliens. Those are all things that we all face. They were all in impossible situations, but here they have written a story about them and they have written a passage of scripture about them to remind us that by faith, and not only by faith are these people here, in chapter 12 it says, you are surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses and they are cheering you on for your race. Why? Because the prize that you will receive was greater than the prize that they received. They didn't even get the opportunity to receive the great promise of Jesus Christ. They did it all in hopes that you could. They laid down their life so that your life could be full. Faith. By faith, they put it down. They laid it down. Rahab couldn't save her family. She did not have the power to save her family, but what she could do was get him in the house. The spies said as they left, we'll give you this scarlet cord, put it in the window, and whoever is inside your house will live. They will be saved. I'm telling you, you may, you can't save your kids, you can't save your grandkids, you can't save the uncles, you can't save the ones who are down the street, you can't save the people at work, but you can get them into the presence of God because he will save them, that's his job. But part of your job is to get them in the house. And see, there's a theme that's going on here that started with those doorposts when they moved out of Egypt. And they killed the lamb, and Moses told him, put the blood over your doorpost. Why? So that when the angel of death comes through the camp to kill the firstborn of every family who's there, he will skip by your house, and those inside will live by faith. Then he tells Rahab, here's a scarlet cord you put in the window. What color is the scarlet cord? Red. What color is the blood? Red. And everybody that's inside that house that's covered by the blood, they will live when these walls come down. But if they go out of that house and they're not part of that, they are on your own and we can't make you any promises. But if they are in that house where you are, they will live. The word of God says that Jesus Christ died on the cross for us and he was hammered and nailed to that thing and he bled all over it and his blood was red so that what? We may live by faith. By faith, by faith, by faith whether it was Noah getting his children involved in what he was doing, whether it was Rahab getting him into the church, whether it was Moses' parents hiding him. These weren't people who went out and fought great battles and killed all these people. These were people who were taking care of their house. God told Noah, build an ark, and it will save your family. Everybody else that's not on that ark is going to perish. And he has equipped you to fight. Don't you pass it off to somebody else. And don't you give that authority away. He has given people to you, not just your own children, but he has called people around you. And they are yours, and you're supposed to reach out. You're supposed to make a difference in their life, and you do so by faith. Share the faith. Well, I don't know how to do that. 
In verse 10 of Ephesians 6, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Not just a piece of it. You could walk around with the the helmet of salvation and you could go off into this world. You are saved, but you're going to get whooped, beat up, and taken care of by the enemy for the rest of your days until you go and be with him. And that is not the lesson of faith. That's not the chapter of faith that you want them to write about you. Well, he was saved. Great. He died in his helmet and boxers. He says, take up the whole armor of God. You wonder why you can't stand? Look in the mirror. I keep falling. I keep falling. Get dressed. Put on the full armor of God. Your feet shod with the guest God. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. That's a tough one. The belt of truth around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness across your chest and the helmet of salvation on your head and the sword of the spirit in your hand. And as he goes on and as he says in verse 16, above all, he says, take the shield of faith. Above all, when you go out in a battle, take the shield of faith, which will quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. The shield was important. You had to have your shield. And you may go out with your shield. Don't come home without it. If you have to, come home carried on it. If you go down, go down in faith, believing what God said. It says, above all, take the shield of faith. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, it says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. We always stop at 1 Corinthians 15, 57, and 8. It says we have the victory, so we'll be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. But here in 16, as Paul closes that part of 1 Corinthians, he says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave and be strong. The new living says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men. No weapon formed against you will prosper. If you have the shield of faith. Because it says that the shield of faith will quench all the fiery darts, all the weapons that the enemy brings your way. Can you go talk to Dan and get those guys? They know about it, Mark. It goes on and it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, Isaiah 54. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage. This is the legacy of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, God said. Don't let go of the shield. You may not like me, and you may hope that I change, and you may hope there's somebody else. That's fine. Come and bring your kids. Bring them to church. Why? So you can pour out in them faith. Well, I'm not very good at that. Well, then when you bring them to children's church, I'm telling you right now, they're teaching them the word and they're teaching them faith. They're teaching them to give. They're teaching them to trust God. They're teaching them to step out. You know what they're teaching them? To pray for you. 
Why? Because you're their mommy and you're their daddy and you're their auntie and you're their uncle. And they know that, man, they got to they have you in their life going the right direction. And so they're spending time as a four-year-old, as a fourth grader, as a 14-year-old praying for their parents that their parents will get it right and be able to walk by faith. Hey, I'm telling you, however the, the legacy of faith has to happen in your life, let it happen. Paul told Timothy, let me tell you what, my son, I know that that genuine faith is alive on the inside of your heart because it was in your grandma Lois. It was in your mother Eunice. And I am assured beyond any doubt that it is in you. Lineage, legacy, heritage of faith. And he told him, then stir up the gift, son. Stir up the gift. Stir up the gift that's on the inside of you by the laying on of my hand. Let's stand up. I want to pray. I brought these young people in here for a reason today. Expand your vision. Expand your faith. If you've been walking with the shield and it hasn't been big enough, then expand it. If God's calling you to expand, expand. When we were at that camp and we were down there with all these young people, and it wasn't just these who were here, it was other ones too. There were about 100 of them there. As I was preaching one night at the end, it was about a double portion, and it was the story of Elijah and Elisha. And it said that Elisha said, Elijah, I want a double portion of what you have. And he tried to push him away, and he tried to kick him away, and the people tried to tell him it wouldn't happen. And everybody came against him and said, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get it. Elijah's going to go on the other side. He's going to leave you. And he said, he is not going to leave me because I'm going to be with him. I'm going to be holding on to him. I'm not going to let go because I've seen the faith. I've seen what God does, and I want a double portion of that, he told him. A double portion. A double portion. And God spoke to me that night when we were there and said, you're wrong. Believe bigger. And I said, what am I wrong about? Now, this is after about an hour of laying hands on all of them, praying, and they're all jumping up and down, falling down, doing all kinds of stuff. God's speaking prophetic words to them, words of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God moves when you expect. Anyway, that's the message that's coming up down the road. But he said, you're wrong. You need to believe bigger. And I said, what was I wrong about? And he said, you've always asked for half of what they had. It was out of humility in my life. Oh, God, just give me half the influence. Just give me half of the salvation. Just give me half of what they've done in this city and in this place. Just give me half. And he said, stop talking about half. Start talking about double. I got up there immediately and said, I have made a mistake, children. You young people, we're going to start believing for double. Double. Double portion. What I want them to do is just come down here now for a minute. I know some of you might be really freaked out by this, but it's all right. The people who aren't, bring them, help them come on down here and can just kind of stand them out here because we're going to lay hands on them. And it says that that spirit, that genuine spirit of faith was on the inside of Timothy and it came from Lois and it came from Eunice and it was inside of him. And then he said, you stir up that gift that's on the inside of you that came by the laying on of my hands. And I want to pray for you today in this place. But more than that, I want you to pour your faith into them this is the next group and the next generation and these are the ones who will carry the torch and I want you to extend your faith see it says that the by faith they moved out by faith they raised these children in the wilderness by faith Rahab brought them onto the house so they'd be saved by faith by faith if yours are up here come to them now if yours are up here come to them if yours aren't up here come to the ones who are like yours 
If yours, I'm telling you, put your hands on the back of their head. Put your hands on their shoulder. Begin to speak the word of God over their life. Begin to pour out faith into who they are. Begin to stir up that gift. Begin to, I'm, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, I am telling you right now. Champions, men and women who live by faith, who do not back down, who carry not just the sword of the Spirit, but they carry the shield of faith everywhere that they go, quenching the fiery darts of the enemy. What the enemy has meant for harm in your life, God will turn it around for good, and he will change it, and you don't have to be sad. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to run away. He knows exactly who you are and where you are, and he's going to lift you up. It says in Psalms 91 that if you abide in his house, you will be under and abiding in the shadow of the Almighty and under His wings He will protect you and He will take care of you in Jesus' We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.